we're back with another episode of Conversations and Connections, the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the the uh, prevention coordinator. <laughs> I had to stop and remember what I, what I was. <laughs> that was that was weird. The prevention coordinator for the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. Thanks for joining us and. Uh, we have Maria Villarreal back with us uh, for a second um, for a second time. Uh, Maria, you was with us in the last episode. Of course, we were talking about human trafficking and and your role and your job here at the Family Crisis Center in regards to helping stop it, or, or and also just helping the uh, the people involved with that. So, would it be all right or safe? Should we, again, just, I guess, briefly maybe review human trafficking? Again, for someone who may not have listened at the last episode, can you just kind of briefly go over again, what exactly would we call human trafficking? Um, so human trafficking is the exploitation of a person for a gain um, through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Um, and so I know in the last episode, we talked a little bit about like the different forms of human trafficking around the world. But what we tend to see here in the United States, it's labor and sex trafficking, which in the previous episode I provided like the formal definition for labor mm-hmm. trafficking. I don't know off the top of my head, <laughs> but but it entails <laughs> of um, forcing somebody to do like domestic um, servitude services where they get paid very little, don't get paid at all or get paid only through tips right so i um i know i didn't talk about the formal definition for sex trafficking i didn't get the chance right. to well before we begin and it just it just hit me again for anybody who didn't listen last time how are how are you involved in this what, what's your role here again just real briefly here at the family crisis center um so i'm the sexual assault slash human trafficking specialist i work with sexual assault survivors and human trafficking survivors awesome okay so, um, we talked about, um, human trafficking and you, and you did say you wanted you, when we were talking yesterday, you did say you wanted to kind of go back and maybe more clearly define the sex trafficking part of it. So what would you call the definition of sex trafficking? So I brought the formal definition with me and according to the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000, which is, um, short. TV, TVPA, um, they define sex trafficking as the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, obtaining, patronizing, or soliciting of a person for the purposes of a commercial sex act in which the commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such an act has not attained 18 years of age. So I know that for somebody who hasn't gotten the training to identify sex trafficking, it can look a lot like a prostitute where they're selling their bodies. Um, and so we don't want to call sex trafficking survivors prostitutes because we're like giving this false idea that they gave consent to this lifestyle when they didn't, when there was forced fraud or coercion being used. Okay. So we also don't want to call children who were sexually exploited child prostitutes. Um, I've heard that plenty of times before um, because for the same reasons they can't give consent to sex acts so we need one of those three elements for an adult to be considered a, a, a sex trafficking 
victim. But when it comes to children, we don't need any of those elements. They just need to be in this lifestyle, in the life, so to say, yeah. by a trafficker. Sure. Um, are children, do you know what the breakdown is when you look at the trafficking victims? Is it half and half, or like, or half, would you consider half of them are minors or children and half adults? Or is it mostly children? Is it mostly adults? Or is it, a again, little, is it kind of even? A little over half are actually minors. They're children or teenagers. Um, the average uh, the average age that a, that a person comes into this, becomes a victim of this heinous crime is 12 to 14 years of age. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's All very, right. very yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, how are, how are these people lured into the trafficking scene? Obviously, well, I don't want to say obviously, you may know, you know better than I do. Some people, unfortunately, may be born into it in, yeah. in a way, but if, if they weren't, and it's just your average person, what, how are they lured into doing this stuff and getting into this world of of trafficking well um the thing that traffickers look for and this is how they're lured into is um they're identified the victims are identified by their vulnerabilities so traffickers know that in order to get somebody into this life they call it the life um get somebody into this life is to first identify their vulnerabilities and then use those vulnerabilities against them or even provide some sort of need so um for example one of the things that they do is that they may look for a child that's in the park that's in the mall or something and they may approach the child and be like hey you know why are you alone and everything well, you know, if the child's running away, which is chronic runaways, they're highly at risk for being trafficked. Um, if they're running away from home, chances are that the child may disclose that I'm running away from home. This is what's happening. And a lot of the times there's something going on at home. They're being abused. They're being neglected. They're being sexually abused. Something's going on. Like children don't just run away just because most of the time they just don't. Um so once that trafficker identifies what's going on, then they're going to be like, well, you know, if you come with me, um, you don't have to worry about getting abused. You don't have to worry about um, going hungry again or something no. like that. And so, I mean, it's not that the bond starts off right away, but... But they really play up to those vulnerabilities oh, yeah. uh, that that child may be experiencing. Or even if it's an older person, they may still be... Exactly. susceptible to things like that yes they're very manipulative so then you know at some point the child may go off with the trafficker it may take weeks or months before the child actually does it but then if the trafficker is already providing them with food or with some sort with some sort of need then that trafficker is eventually going to be like well i've done this and this this and this and this for you you need to pay up now uh-huh. so then that's whenever they start exploiting the child and so there's also the grooming process where they're getting the child or the victim ready for these acts. So I know that, um, you know, I read a lot of books. You know, I don't, don't I don't just like interact with my survivors and just get all the experience from there. But I also like um, read books. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I'm noticing a lot is that um, they kind of like see people in this lifestyle and so because they're a child they don't think that there's something wrong with it they've kind of normalized in a a sense Mm -hmm. so once the trafficker tells them okay well it's time for you to do these they're they're more likely to do it like they know that it's wrong they know something's not right 
but they're more likely to do it because it's been normalized, so to say. And then I'm going to talk a little, I'm going to shift a little bit more into the adult side of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, traffickers, they try to get victims, survivors, let, let's call them victims for now, victims to get addicted to drugs. So if they get somebody addicted to meth, then they're going to be like, well, you know, if you want another dose of meth, then you got to do this. And they're going to be like, you got to meet a quota of $500. And if you do, I'll give you some meth. And that's what that's what ends up happening. Um, and they also know to target people with like criminal history, a criminal history background, um, because then they know that they're less likely to be successful. They're less likely to go to the police if something does happen. Um, and also immigrants as well. There's the language barrier. Um, there's the there's the fact that a lot of immigrants don't know that they have rights or that they can go to the police and make a report. So then the trafficker feeds off of that. Um, if the if they um, if the trafficker um, feels like they're going to make a report or try to get away, they can easily be like, "Well, you're here in the U.S. illegally. Like, if you try to go to the police, they're going to deport you, and yeah. then you're not going to be with your children." Right. So they they're extremely manipulative. Um, I hate giving them this credit, but they're not people to underestimate at all. Right. Well, you know, it it kind of goes a lot of times when you see anybody doing something illegal or wrong. A lot of times it takes a lot more uh, intelligence to figure out how to do something that's mm-hmm. illegal than it does to do something that is legal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, they're smart enough to figure out how to get around the system or whatever. Surely they can apply that in a more legitimate way i guess um what role i want to go back maybe a little bit toward to to the minors first and then i I got another follow-up to that how big of a problem and we may talk about this in some of the other episodes when we have uh, uh the guys from law enforcement with us but how big of a role does like social media play oh in goodness. in this? Uh, and I would just as a as a layman in this field of human trafficking, I would think that it doesn't help. You know, I kind of know social media in the forms of when it comes to um, prevention, sexual assault prevention. You know, but with human trafficking, I'm sure it's probably kind of along the same lines. Uh, social media is probably not. The most helpful thing it's not um that's another factor too is the age and the access of the victim um so we know that children are more likely to like you know um explore on phones explore with video games and with apps and everything so traffickers know this they know that they can go ahead and go on like for example instagram yeah and just look at a children's profile who could be public who doesn't have that privacy um, barrier. Uh-huh. And if they notice that this um, that this child is like putting their life out there, so to say, like putting their problems out there, then they're more likely to target that child. And so social media has been a huge problem. Um, it hasn't helped. It's actually yeah. helped evolve tra- how traffickers have access to victims. So what I do suggest is for parents to actively look at what their children are getting involved in when it comes to the social media accounts the apps even xbox live 
I highly encourage them to always, always check what their children are doing. And you know, I, gosh, and I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man and get on my soapbox, (laughs) but I've seen, first of all, let me just preface by saying I am not a parent. Okay. But I have seen so many parents that just seem like they really, they're either maybe not intentionally oblivious to what their kids are doing online or the apps they use or their, the games they play, you know, they're either just oblivious or they don't care. And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to blame parents, but part of me, I guess, kind of wants to, I've seen so many inattentive parents when it comes to things like that. It just kind of, it's aggravating. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I know that there are some parents out there that want to give their child that privacy that, oh, well, you know, he or she is 15 years old, you know, I want to give him or her some privacy. Mm -hmm. No, that is your child. Your child's at risk. Don't give them that privacy. You need to see what they're getting into, what they're saying, who they're talking to, especially who they're talking to. Because these traffickers, they may pretend to be a 16-year-old when they're 36. Yeah. So, I... I, I'm not a, I'm not a parent either, but I know whenever I do become a parent, I am not going to be like, well, I'm going to give my child privacy. No. Like, if you're a child, I'm going to be all up in your business. I want to know who you're talking to. <laughs> you're not going to be a very cool mom. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. <laughs> but it's for their own good. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, and even, you know, and again, I guess, you know, not only pay attention to like your kid's social media, but... You mentioned video games, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so many games now you talk to other people online and you play with other people and you don't know who that other person is. Exactly. It's like you said, they may say they're 13 mm-hmm. or whatever, and they could be 36. Exactly. You know, um, what, and when I, and we probably already kind of talked about this, but I just want to ask this again in case we're missing something. Um, this problem with trafficking, what feeds it? Are traffickers looking for a certain type? Now, I know you talked about looking for the kid that may be alone, you know, mm-hmm. in the park, you know, by themselves. Um, is there any, is there anything else you think we kind of covered that? Because I was wanting to ask you that. Well, I know that they're more likely to target children versus adults just because children are more likely to be easily manipulated, easily charmed. They're more impressionable, things like that. Um, And plus also, um, you know, a a 14-year-old is is more desired, obviously, by pedophiles. So they're going to go after young – they're going to go after children – um, a 14-year-old is going to be more desirable than a mm-hmm. 28-year-old is going to be. Right. Um, I'm not saying that adults cannot be trafficked. Obviously, they can be. But like I stated earlier, the a little over half of the victims are children. And so that is because human beings, especially if they're young, can be sold again and again and again and again, multi- hundreds of times. Like unlike drugs or guns, you know, you, you can sell those one time and yeah. that's it. You're never going to see it again. But a human, you can be sold over and over and over again. And the younger they are, the better it is for the trafficker. They're going to gain more money out of that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so they, they do have um, traffickers. If they have, if I remember correctly, either two or three victims um, together, they, they call it a stable. So that's where they can make a lot of money 
if they have a stable going on. They can make thousands of dollars um, in one night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some, and I'm kind of careful when I say this because I don't want to, I'm not, I do not want to imply that any businesses here in this area are fronts, Mm -hmm. but I do want us to address, um, that, that is a real thing that, that goes on. There may be business fronts Mm -hmm. for human trafficking. Uh, is there... Is there anything you need to look out for or how, what's, what's the story on that? So, I mean, I know that locally there have been some, some businesses that have been busted for human trafficking. I'm not going to state them or anything like that. Um, But some of the things to look out for is if they have cameras facing the entrance, if you have to get buzzed in to get in or get out. Um, and if their windows are tinted, I recently learned that, um, in Houston, they're having a huge problem with massage parlors or nail salons being used as fronts when they're actually trafficking people, exploiting people. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is something to watch out for. Um, I mean, and I'm not making light of this, but I mean, I would think if you see a massage parlor that has tinted windows, <laughs> Duh. uh, you know, you know, you may you think you may not want to go there to work on that bad neck of yours. You know, yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah. And then also, like, if you're if you figure out that the worker is working and living in the same place in the same oh, building, wow, okay, that, that's another huge interesting um, red flag of labor trafficking specifically. Yeah. Um, also, if you feel like the worker is like working long excessive unusual hours that's a red flag yeah um if they're not free to come and go as they please to take breaks that's a red flag okay all right good to know good to know oh what you was mentioning that you was wanting to talk about myths associated with trafficking Mm -hmm. you know and of course i guess when you say that the first thing that comes to my mind and, and we kind of talked on this um earlier at the beginning of at the beginning of the show was you know sex traffickers or prostitutes you know Mm -hmm. i'm sure that's that's a myth obviously Mm -hmm. we we, we've we've talked about that what are some of the other myths that we may need to know about so some other myths is that boys or males cannot be trafficked they can be um i actually know of a of an agency, I can't think of it right now, but they work specifically with male survivors um, and with boy survivors as well. So I know that the majority of the victims are women and girls, but right. I believe, if I remember correctly, I was looking at statistics, um, 29, close to 30% make, um, the victims are males and boys. So males and boys can be trafficked yeah. too. Do you think, I know when we, again, you know, when we talk about sexual assault prevention, you know, we always point out that men, survivors of sexual assault, there's probably more of them out there than are reported because mm-hmm. I think for a lot of times for men or, or males, the situation may be more embarrassing mm-hmm. and they don't want to come forward. Do you think that's the same with uh, human trafficking? Do you think there's more out there and... 
if someone, if, if a young man realizes that they need out and they need help, does that play a part? Do you think the, you know, embarrassment or shame uh, may play a part of that? Maybe more so than a female, because again, you know, the, I got to mention gender socialization Mm -hmm. because that's my thing, you know, well, I got to be tough and I got to man up to this. And if I, you know, admit that I've been trafficked, it's a sign of weakness and I don't want to show that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a stigma when it comes to males, um, reporting when it comes to males being victims and there's definitely that embarrassment, that shame, but I feel like it's an additional layer simply because they're males. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that, well, you're a male, you can't be a victim you can't be beaten up exactly. you can't be sold like exactly. why didn't you fight back i feel like there's definitely that exactly. stigma even stronger sure. with males yeah yeah is there any other um any other myths that we need to go over yeah so um i can't remember if i if i talked about it in detail the last episode i feel like i didn't feel like i touched upon it very lightly but um human smuggling and human trafficking they're they're not the same did I talk about no, that? No, I don't think you did. Yeah, they're they're not the same. I know that they get confused a lot. Um, but And I can see why they get confused because maybe somebody actually looked, looked up the law in some other part of the world where human smuggling and human trafficking are the same thing. But here in the U.S., they're not. And so how they're... How it's easy to um, like differentiate human smuggling, human trafficking is that human smuggling is a crime against the border, against a nation. So, for example, the coyotes, that's an example of human smuggling where they're crossing into the country illegally, undocumented. Um, and then human trafficking, that um, that is a crime against a person, against humanity. This It's the exploitation. Okay. All right. Excellent. Okay. Um, and I, it's funny that you just said that because I've always wanted, I guess I've always wondered about immigrants coming across the border, just looking for a new life, you know, just looking for a better living, looking for a better life uh, here in the U.S. Someone like that who may be vulnerable, are they an easy target? I mean, it's, or does it really matter? Well, I mean, they can be an easy target just because I'm sure there's going to be that language barrier. They're not going to think that they have rights like a citizen does. Um, undocumented people have rights, too. Um, but I guess the answer is that they, they don't get trafficked as much. At least that's not what we tend to see. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I, I can think of only one client of mine who um, did get smuggled into the country. And she was trafficked, but she was trafficked years after she was smuggled. So okay. it's it's not it's actually not very common for us to see people who were smuggled to become victims of human trafficking. I mean, they're they're still easy targets, yes, but that's not what we tend to see. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, earlier, you, you you know, you had talked about um some of the targets for traffickers are. The, the child or the minor that is a habitual runaway mm-hmm. who is always leaving home, maybe because of bad situations at home. And I was very saddened when we first started talking about doing these shows. We kind of talked about, you know, what we were wanting to go over and everything. And you did mention that a lot of times uh, family members actually play a role in promoting 
this. Yeah. I mean, in, I don't know if encouraging is the right word for, but uh, the parents are enablers. Maybe mm-hmm. is 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 the right word. Can you? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I know that some people may think that human traffickers are strangers or they're not very well known to the victim, but the traffickers actually know the victim. Mm -hmm. And so it can be the boyfriend or girlfriend um, or it can be a family member. And a lot of times what we see is that the victim knows a trafficker. Um, And so when it comes to familial trafficking and, you know, I got to state this. There's so many different ways of of trafficking. There's the familial trafficking where like the family may look normal on the outside. Like Mm -hmm. they're obviously not criminals or nice people and everything, but they're actually exploiting their child and they could be exploiting the child for so many different reasons to make rent, to pay for utility, even for drugs. Um, We had a mother who was selling her daughter, unfortunately for drugs. Um, And so they just have an easier access to the victim, to their source of money, to their source of income. Right. And so family members, they can definitely be traffickers too. And um, there is this one speaker. um, I know that DFPS, they host, not this year because of COVID, unfortunately, but they host um, uh, Like the Way to End Human Trafficking. And there is a speaker. Her name is katie roche i hope i'm saying her last name right but she talks in detail of how she was exploited not just by her uncle who was much older than her obviously but also by her cousin who was two years younger than her um i believe that her if i remember correctly her uncle started exploiting her sexually when she was 13 and then when she became 15 she was being sexually exploited by her cousin who was two years younger than her so she goes into a lot of detail as to how familial trafficking happens. Yeah. So I do want to encourage listeners to um, to read about her story and to learn more about it because she goes into so much depth. And what is her name again? Katie Roche. I know that it's spelled um, capital D and capital D and then R-O-C-H-E. Okay. Yeah. And then All she right. also talks about how she believes she became a, a victim, the factors, the risk factors yeah. that were there for her. Um, she is a great person to listen to when it comes to familial trafficking. And I know I kind of talked a little bit about this, but we, I mean, I, I mentioned this, but we really didn't talk about it. But when you were talking about, when we're talking about the family's involvement, I guess there is that unfortunate circumstance to where a child may be born into mm-hmm. this situation where, if they're born into a family or into an environment that where this is going on, they're going to be used for mm-hmm. trafficking. Yes. And so, I mean, <clears throat> I've heard of infants being sold. I've heard of, you know, chill, like a six-year-old, seven-year-old being sold. I've heard of teenagers being sold. I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate Yeah, of how young people can be exploited by their family members. Um And so the other thing, too, is like I want to talk a little bit about trauma. That's where the complex trauma starts developing. And so I know I think Dr. Schultz talked about trauma Mm -hmm. and everything. And so the the thing that we tend to see with um, human trafficking survivors who are adults now is that they were sexually abused and there was that chronic trauma happening again and again and again. And so what we tend to see is that there's that cognitive delay because, you know, children, they're sponges. We're sponges. Our brain's like sponge whenever we're children. Right. We have to be in a safe, nurturing environment in order for us to 
to think as adults that that is how we need to be, that we need to be safe, we need to be in a nurturing environment and everything. So whenever somebody grows up in an abusive environment where they're being trafficked, they're going to grow up thinking that it's okay. And so that's when we tend to see children misbehaving. And so what I do want to encourage is that, you know, if you knew a child who was a good child, that that straight A, good behaving child, and all of a sudden they're failing, they're misbehaving, look into it, you know, just start, you know, asking like, hey, you know, what's going on? And if they do start talking about abuse, Mm -hmm. I don't recommend at all to ask questions about the abuse because there is a process for that. Um, Forensic interviewers, they are the ones that ask questions about the abuse because an, an adult, somebody who's over the age of 18 can be considered an outcry witness. And so, and if you don't have all the details, memorize all the details of what the child told you, you could jeopardize a case, the trial later. So, you know, maybe be curious and ask a little bit of questions like, hey, you know what's going on? Are you okay? I've noticed that you're behaving this way. And once, if they start talking about abuse, don't continue asking questions about the abuse. Make a report. We're mandated reporters here. Make a CPS Mm -hmm. report. You never know if your report is actually going to save a child's life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Maria. Is there anything else we need to touch on before we wrap things up? Yeah, I do want to. I don't think I talked a whole lot about the signs of okay. sex trafficking. Okay. Um, so, well, and this is good because you, you just kind of touched on that. Like for anybody who works with kids or even a coworker, for that matter, uh, what are something that you need to look out for? What would be some red flags, I guess? What I would be on the lookout for, um, I'm always on the lookout for tattoos. Um, whenever I see somebody that has a lot of tattoos, I start asking them questions like, hey, what does that tattoo mean? Why did you get it? Because what we tend to see is that the survivors have um, a tattoo of a crown, the word daddy, maybe their trafficker's name. I've also heard that the black rose is becoming like a theme, so to say. Um, even a barcode, a QR code. Um, those are some signs. Also, look at how they're dressed. Um, if they're dressed a little bit, um, if they're less covered and it's like 30 degrees outside, I would ask about that. Like, hey, you know, aren't you cold? Like, do you want a coat or something? Yeah. Why are you wearing just only this? Like, let just talk to me. Right. Or also, if they're like wearing a sweater a hoodie or sweatpants and it's like 110 degrees, I would ask too, because you never know if they're actually trying to hide some of the scars, some of the burns, some of the the tattoos, the branding and everything, the bruises. Um, And also um, I would be on the lookout for certain language, like having to meet a quota of like $500, $1,000 a night. Um, Also, if they say I'm in the life, um, the life means that they're actually in this lifestyle um, of having a pimp and having to meet a quota and things like that, um, or the game too. Another sign is if um, if you're a male and they're not making a whole lot of eye contact with you, that could actually be a sign that there could be sex trafficking victims because I know that in the trafficking world, um, making eye contact with another male is you saying that you want that male to be your new pimp, your new daddy. And so I believe they call okay. it like upgrading, so to say. Okay. Um, the actual eye contact with another male is called reckless eyeballing. And the actual like making eye contact too is like upgrading from one pimp to another. 
So that's one sign. Like so the they're very careful about who they look at. They don't want to make eye contact yes, with and anybody. If yeah, and they, I had a yeah. I had a client tell me that she had to remember her trafficker's shoes before heading out to the club because if she made eye contact with the male, she'd catch a beating. So that's one sign. Um, and I believe those are the signs that, that I can think. Well, sorry. Whenever it comes to children, the chronic runaways, the constant absentee yeah. in school, the tardiness, the lack of energy, um, the misbehaving, those could be um, signs. I'm not saying that, you know, if you're seeing these signs, they're definitely victims of human trafficking. No. Right. But those are some of the, the red flags to watch out for and start asking some mm-hmm. questions. You know, um, if you show if if you show to children that you really care for them and that you really want them to be successful and you really are curious as to what's happening and everything, they may be likely to open up to you. Yeah. Because um, these victims, especially children, they're trying to find that love, that support. They're going to try to find it through somebody. Something's going on at home and they feel like they can't get that love there. They're going to try right. to find it somewhere else. And that's where the trafficker comes in. So I would definitely encourage people to just be attentive um, if you got students, if you're working with children, just be attentive to them and actually show to them that you do care about them and that you will support them and you're here for them yeah, before okay. that trafficker comes along and then snatches them. Right. All right. Good information. Thanks, Maria. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, episode of Conversations and Connections. Uh, and like we like we mentioned, we're still going to do two more episodes uh, centered on this uh, very important Topic Again, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Before we go, let's remind people again of what we have planned uh, regarding the walk. Yes, that is going to be January 23rd at 10 a.m. at SFA. Um, we're planning on it being in the uh, close to the McKibben area. That's where we're going to be parking, and okay. we're going to be starting in that area. Um, and I do believe it's in the talks of like having donuts and hot chocolate. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. (laughs) Okay. And we'll have more information on that as we, as, uh, the days get, get a little closer to that. All right. Um, if you have any questions or comments regarding conversations and connections, I want to give you our email address. And of course, it's easy. It's conversations and connections at FCCET.com. And again, if you feel like you need any of our services here at the Family Crisis Center, uh, we do have a 24 hour, seven day a week number hotline that you can call. That number is 1 800 828 7233. Again, that's 1 800 828 7233. Remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.